Shavua Tov. We're now entering the second phase of being becoming a tzaddik. Uh, we have defined uh, man's role in the world. Perik Aleph, Perik Bet, and Perik Gimel. We defined watchfulness, zehirut. Perik Dalit, We spoke about how to possess watchfulness. Perik Hey. On Friday, we spoke about how to retain it. What are the mafsidei hazahirut? And so that is the negative part of uh, becoming a tzaddik, being on top of negative elements. And now we have to do the positive. Ramchal is insistent that uh, we, follow, we follow the pshat of the pasuk in Tehillim Lama Dalad, Sur Meirah that you have to first remove yourself from evil before you can then do good. Uh, that's a pshat in the Pasuk as well, right? If you read the Pasuk, it says, Sur meirah va'asetov. Remove yourself from evil and then do good. Uh, in the Hasidic world, um, a much more popular interpretation is, Sur meirah va'asetov, meaning the way to remove yourself from evil is by doing good. And then you will be able to remove yourself from evil. However, that's not, that's not what the Ramchal wants to understand. And let's try and explain the logic. Because we're about to deal with the positive aspects and, and pushing ourselves positively as opposed to controlling on, on negative elements. And the reason that I think that this is the order is because if you don't deal with the negative elements of who you are, then you don't actually know whether what you're doing is truly positive or whether it's driven by an ulterior motive. Uh, our, our being isn't defined simply by our actions. Very often an action can appear to be good. Uh, we studied this once in Strife for Truth. Um, it appears to be giving because it's physically giving, but in fact the action is an action which is driven by the want to be taking, selfishness. And vice versa, a person can appear to be taking, but they are driven by the will to give. Um, and, and therefore, if you haven't dealt with the negative elements of who you are and the personage of who you are, it could well be that you are doing a lot of positive stuff, but it isn't really positive because the motivation behind it isn't, isn't positive. This, this leads us into an, an exceptionally interesting discussion, um, which is what are actions about and, and, and how are my deeds to be judged. Uh, this, I want to take you briefly here, if I can possibly do so, to a parasha towards the end of Devarim. We're not so far from Devarim. And uh, it's a parasha towards the end of Devarim. And we're learning about the mitzvah, and we've discussed this before, we're learning about the mitzvah of building a balcony on your roof. A ma'akeh. It's a mitzvah. And uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to discuss the actual mitzvah, but I want to discuss the words used in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, if you don't build a balcony, ki yipol hanofel, the person who is judged to be falling, when he falls, you will be liable for that falling. Many of our mafalshim have commented on the fact that the Pasuk says, ki yipol hanofel. The faller, not it doesn't say ki pol haish, ki pol haisha, ki pol hayeled, ki pol hayalda. It says ki pol hanofel. What does that mean? And many of our mafashim came to the conclusion what this actually means is that the person was destined to fall. What does that mean? It means as follows, in my understanding. It, it means that this person was going to fall. 
the fact that he died today has nothing to do with you. God decides whether a person will live or whether a person will die. Uh, it has nothing to do with me, nothing to do with you. However, I don't want to be the media through which that person dies. And then you will be held liable because that person who was meant to die today died through you as being the medium. Now, if you want to now elaborate on this theme, then, then think, and, and you know this, I, I'm only, as we say, all of this book is Chazara about things we know. Um, but, but you know when we're talking about giving tzedakah. So all of you are aware of that Rambam, when the Rambam discusses the fact that, uh, or, or suggests what is a better form of tzedakah, giving, I'll put it in our terms, giving $100 to one person, or $1 to 100 people. Now, in Western terms, in practical terms, we would be correct to say, if I really want to help someone, it's probably better for me to give $100 to one person. Giving $1 to 100 people is a, is a nice gesture, but it's not really practical. I mean, I don't know what you can do with a dollar, um, four or five shekels. I suppose you could you could buy a coffix or, or most of a coffix, but, but if you really need to, but, but it is not so incredible. If you've only got a dollar, that's what you give. That's incredible, right? But if you've got a hundred dollars, that's what the Rambam says. As you know, the Rambam says, better to give a hundred people a dollar. What's the underlying rationale here? At least the apparent underlying rationale here is, my job is to give. If I give a hundred times, that's very good. My job isn't to bring someone back into the world to, to help a person build themselves up again. Whether that person is able to re-enter a social reality, a financial reality, God will fix that. That is discussed on Rosh Hashanah, the, the, on Rosh Hashanah, Kodesh Baruch is Kovel, what a person will earn. And so it's not, I, I'm not bringing this person back to, to some kind of form of normalcy. My job is to give. God is in charge of whether this person will be this, whether he'll be that, whether his parnasa will be this, whether his parnasa or her parnasa will be that. So my job is to give. So what we're essentially saying here, and this is very complex, is that there are two parts to, every, to at least two parts to every action. One part is my action, and the second part is the reality. If you take this to the furthest degree, then you could suggest that attempted murder is essentially as bad as murder, because if I shoot someone, whether, whether they die or not is not really up to me. Whether they die or not is, is, is decided by a Kodesh Baruch Hu. That's the reality, right? So, but I, I wanted them to kill, I wanted them to die, and I shot them. So the fact that I shot someone with the intention to kill should be theoretically as serious as the fact that I shot someone and killed them. Because whether a person dies or not, it's not up to me, it's up to our Kurdish Baruch. It's not the Halacha. Machshava is, is only considered Kamase on Chiyuvi things, on positive things, but not on negative things. And it's not the law either, right? A person will not be imprisoned, will not be punished uh, for trying to kill someone uh, in the same degree as someone who succeeds in killing someone. But it is something to think about. Now, why is all of this relevant to what we're discussing today? Because if what I'm saying, what I'm saying by what we're discussing today is, and again, it is a Pandora's box and it's worthy of a lot of discussion. The question is always, right, we know there are two elements to our, many elements, sorry, but there are two specific elements that, that we accept as being principles of faith. 
But at the same time, they, they seem to contradict each other. One is free choice, which is fundamental to Judaism, right? That a Jew has choice. And the other is that there's hashkacha. These are two principles of faith. There is hashkacha. All of the Tanakh is about hashkacha. We lose wars, we get punished, not because we have bad strategy, but because we don't keep mitzvot. That's in the psukim. I'm not talking about a crazy rabbi screaming out something in shul. It's in the psukim. We know, we, believing in hashkacha was the chiddush of Abraham Avinu, that God didn't just create the world, he is in the world. At the same time, uh, if God is running the world and God is controlling the world, then where is my free choice? And I have to have free choice. And this is a discussion that... The, the, the many, many scholars, infinitely better and cleverer than me, have discussed in our day and in times of past. But what's for sure is that the, the, that, uh, the results of my actions are not simply due to me. They're not, they're not because of me. There is also hashgacha. Now, if that is the case, then I have to conclude that what defines the importance of my actions as far as I'm concerned is my intention and not the result. Is my intention, right? Because the result isn't always dependent on me, right? There's hashgacha. Something is meant to be. And therefore, the result of an action is koman da'avid rachmana everything that called he, 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 he does he does for his own he, he does like who does my role is that I played a part in it now why is this applicable to our chapter because now understand what Ramchal is about to tell us in in Perek Vav you can't start as result you can't talk about positive actions if you're not in control of yourself and your midot because even though they might appear to be positive, if your midot are bad, if you're not in control of yourself, then they only appear to be positive. And therefore you could be theoretically doing something very, very good, but you are driven by an ulterior motive, you're driven by your ego. And therefore the order here is critical. This is going to be a recurring theme throughout the Sefer, that you have to go in order, and I think it's a recurring problem in our Jewish reality, is that people don't want to go in the order. They want to skip things. They want to, they want to build a house without, without doing the insides, and uh, it, it, it takes much more than that. So that's our starting point, right? That we can only start Zrizut after we have perfected Zahirut, and if you look, if you read the chapter, chapter 6, which is our definition as result, the beginning of our definition as result, these are the first words that the Ramchal says. Achar hazahirut yavo hazrizut. After zahirut comes zrizut. Ki hazahirut sovev al halota aseh. Zahirut deals with negative commandments. Vahazrizut al haaseh. And Zrizut deals with positive commandments. Vahainu, and that is to say, as we've already said, Sur Meira Vaasetov. First, you are Sur Meira. First, you remove yourself from evil. And then, Asetov, and then do good. First, Zihirut, and then Zrizut. Let's just do a bit, a bit more. Ve'inyano shel Hazrizut Mavoa. 
And the essence of Zrizut can be explained as follows. Shehu ha-hakdamala mitzvot ul hashlamat inyana. This is nice. This fits in with what we've just said. That the minute you don't define the goodness of a mitzvah or a good action as being the result, then the action isn't simply defined by the physical act, but it's defined by how you prepare for it and how you finish it. That is to say, that if I'm doing a mitzvah just to get it done, then I'll come in the last minute and I'll leave as soon as possible I've done it. However, if I'm doing the mitzvah with zrizut, with eagerness, with zealousness, with enthusiasm, I get there early and I leave late. Think for a moment about the wedding of a friend, uh, a good friend, and you go to the wedding. You don't get there five minutes before the chuppah. They tell you that the Kabbalah Panim, that the reception and a tish is going to be, I don't know, Sunday afternoon, it's going to be at five o'clock. The chuppah is going to be at quarter to seven and so on and so forth. A good friend, a good friend of the color, right? You're a good friend of the color. Uh, you, get, you, get, you, get to the, you get to the tish and you get there on time. You get there five o'clock, 5.15, because why? That's actually the best time to see the color, right? It's before she is married. It's before the chuppah has taken place. She's a bit more focused at the moment to, to her girlfriends who have come to visit her and she wants to sing with them and she wants to be with them. It's an ideal time to get to, her, to, to, to meet the chasna and kala is dafka before the wedding. Once the chuppah has taken place, they're occupied, rightly so, with other things. So you get there early. And then, of course, you don't leave after the chuppah. You're not like a, a rav from the Midrashah who has nothing else to do there now because he's not going to be able to dance with the kala. He doesn't know the chasen. So you're not going to leave straight after the, the chuppah. You're, you're going to hang around. And you're going to hang around till the chasen and kala have their photographs until they dance with you. And the likelihood is, if you're, if you're a good friend, um, you'll be there till 11, 12 o'clock at night. You'll be there till the last song. Uh, the people generally at weddings, uh, at the end of the wedding, are the good friends, the younger people, right? The older people, they come, they, they want to show that they're, uh, the support and simcha of the families. But, but after a couple of dances, uh, they've had their shoes trodden on enough times and they're, and they're tired and they go. But the young chevra stay till the end. So what do you see there? You see, that even though the essence of the evening, really the only critical part of the evening takes five to ten minutes under the chuppah, you'll be there before, and you'll stay there till well after. Why? Because it wasn't in your interest just to come for the chuppah. It was your interest to spend the entire evening with your friend of many years and to be mesameach, not because it's a mitzvah, but because they're a friend and that's what you want to do, and that's why it's a mitzvah. And, and that's what you want to do. Now let's take this to something else. I know I bring this often as an example, and it, it's not strictly correct because uh, tefillah, as we know, is number one. A lot of girls don't dumb minions, so when I give these examples, it doesn't, doesn't help so much. But, but number two, it's not a classic mitzvah doraita, according to everyone. But, but think about this as an example because we do do this and you do do this as well. You, you're meant to come to Shul to Daman. That is the Noah, that's what we do in regular times. So you can come to shul on time and uh, you come 10 minutes before shul starts and, and sit down and gather your thoughts, focus. I'm not suggesting we 
going to be like Hazal and be there for an hour before. But but you but, but you get you get to shul a, a, a little time before, and you don't want the whole to feel up, and you're not the first one out the door when it finishes either. Uh, now then, this would this would reflect the fact that. Praying to God is something of importance to you, that you are a zariza, that you're enthusiastic to do it, that you want to do it properly. The other reality, which is unfortunately more common, is that a person walks into shul in the last minute, maybe late, maybe with their phone on in the middle of a conversation, and they're out of there before Elena. They're phoning out their talus and they're out there. We, we're all in the same position. Now, what does this reflect? Have you done the mitzvah? Whatever the mitzvah is to be defined as, yes, you've done the mitzvah. Is this result here? No. No. You're, you are doing what has to be done, and you're doing it as an action that has to be done. But there is no result. If there was result, if you took the, if you took the action seriously, then it would be reflected by the way you behave beforehand, and the way you behave after. Let me give you a positive example of something that isn't so routine and therefore we're not so complacent about. Think about Seder night. The Seder night experience is totally different, right? People are excited about Seder night. A lot of preparation for Seder night. Things, we, we, we see it and we, and we prepare things. I remember when we used to do two Seders when I used to live in England, how I used to work hard on Divrei Torah and divide them between the first night and the second night. And I was so excited. I remember when I was a little kid, um, I was so excited for Seder night, my, my, my mum used to send me to sleep in the afternoon so I'd be able to stay awake. I could never sleep, I was too excited. And then you don't want it to end either, right? You, wanna, you want it to go on and on and on, not just to brag to your friends about uh, how late you finish Seder. But, 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 but in order to, uh, in order to uh, you don't want it to end. Right? So there is a positive example as a result. There is result. There is excitement, right? There is excitement about uh, about doing the mitzvah. And of course, uh, with Pesach Bichlau, right? They, I know there are people who uh, who they, they cannot wait to get a pizza on on Motzei Chag. There are other people who don't. They say, "No, I have another pizza month or whatever. I can, I can wait. I'm not so. I don't want to run away from Pesach so quickly and go to Sfira. I, I don't want to do that." Uh, and so you have this, this sentence is, This goes all the way back to the beginning of the Sefer. In the beginning of the Sefer, remember we said that we have this battle in Perek Aleph, where the, the soul is, who is going to lead, the soul or the body? This is the way I chose to explain it. And we said, what is the weapon that we use to fight the fight, to fight the battle, we said mitzvot. And we said, once you say that, you are by definition saying that mitzvot are a means, they're not an ends. They are a means. You are using them in order to facilitate the soul in its struggle against the body. Who will lead who? Now, once you understand, and we said this, we said this already, so I, I'm not going to elaborate any further, but, but we, once you understand that the point of the mitzvah is a means and not an end, then of course, remember my example about the car keys, then of course the way you do the mitzvah totally defines about whether it will be effective as a tool. In the same way, if you remember, I'll just remind you, if you, you put car keys on your head, you're not going to ignite the car, you're not going to get the car going, right? Because if you don't use the car keys in the way they're meant to be used, the car will not start. 
So, so you can, if, if you do walk into tefillah, and this is the source of our problem, it's not because it's in Hebrew, it's not because I'm not connected to God. It's a, it, it, if you walk into shul in the middle of laning, which, which is uh, sometimes a, a girl's custom, and you walk into shul and you sit there and you talk, and then it comes to the Amida, and you, you put sit on your face, and you mumble a few words, and then you walk out, and then uh, someone asks you how it's, you say, that doesn't speak to you. Why should it speak to you? Why should it speak to you? You went into shul, you picked up a book, and you said a few words, and most of the time you spent talking. Uh, why should it speak to you? And that's the same with every mitzvah, every single mitzvah. That, that if you, again, it's not time now, it's what we're talking about. We're talking about preparation. We're talking about being prepared for something and doing something If you invest in something properly, then it generally reflects that that is important to you and that means will serve its purpose to the ends. So we've learned two things today. We've discussed two things today. Number one, the result has to become after, two things that are one really, the result has to come after Zahirut because until you're on top or at least slightly in control of the negativity about you, you cannot be sure that the positive things that you're doing are, are truly positive in their essence, even though the actions may appear to be. That's number one. And, and number two, uh, also, based on, the same, based on the same definition, that it's not just the action, but it's the intent behind the action, then of course that is very much going to be reflected by how you approach any given action and how you conclude that action. We've just done a few lines to introduce this result and please God, Bezot Hashem, will carry on tomorrow. Have a good day. Shavua Tov.